Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to this episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. It's Monday, episode number 133. We're cruising right through them. And I now, I know you're bored of me talking about how I broadcast here from my guest bedroom, but I have now, uh, since commencing uh, my position as host of this program, I have broadcast more episodes of this show here from my guest bedroom than I have from Broadcast House in the studio. Interesting little uh, threshold, little breakthrough there for me. Uh, and I want to tell you something. We have on the on the streaming app, powered by Any Hour Services, the KSL News Radio app, which you can download, of course, uh, on your cell phone, your iPhone, your Android, wherever you uh, download your apps. You download that, you'll be able to now see... I feel silly promoting this, Uh, but we have a a camera installed here and now via the app instead of uh, like some some stock footage or video or anything like that. You'll get to see right here into the living room or into the guest bedroom here from whence I am broadcasting. One uh, item I'd like you to see and maybe I'll give you a tour here at some point, but uh, on my wall hanging I have a map of my hometown. Uh, a little town in upstate New York. I did some growing up there. But specifically, what I am so proud of uh, in my hometown is that it is the, it's the birthplace of Francis Bellamy. Francis Bellamy. Do you, know, do you know that name? Francis Bellamy is the author of the Pledge of Allegiance. In fact, not only was Francis Bellamy born in my hometown, but the home in which I was raised is the very home where he was born. Yeah, the the upstairs bathroom, it was a nursery back in his day. Uh, But Francis Bellamy, the author of the Pledge of Allegiance, was born in my upstairs bathroom. Now, why do I bring that up? First off, I've got the map here on the wall, and you can see it if you uh, get online, kslnewsradio.com, or via the KSL News Radio app. But also, it has to do with this move and push to topple over so many of the symbols and statues that pepper this nation. You've heard uh, many stories over the weekend about about various statues coming uh, down in New York City. It was uh, Roosevelt, uh, that horse statue where he is flanked by a Native American and African American. That one is likely coming down. And others around the country. I'm still sorting out exactly what I think about that, but I am nervous. I am nervous about uh, my hometown. And I'm nervous about Francis Bellamy. Will there be those who chime in, who pipe up and have things not so flattering to say about uh, Francis Bellamy, the author of the Pledge of Allegiance who was born in my very home. So I'm going to uh, keep my ears open to that one. I hope, uh, I hope Mr. Bellamy is, is spared the ire of those who are tearing over uh, and tearing down statues across the country right now. And I'm still working out my thoughts and feelings on that. Uh, I would be interested to know what you think about all of these statues coming down, both being toppled over by protesters and also uh, being brought down by uh, government institutions and cities. Yeah, the the Roosevelt statue in New York City is coming down with the blessing of the the mayor. 
and elsewhere, uh, statues are coming down at the blessing of governors and legislators and other individuals who find themselves empowered to take down such statues. Anyway, uh, if you wouldn't mind, leave me a voicemail on that, 801-575-7668. And while you're there, I'd also like to hear your thoughts on a totally separate issue. A totally separate issue, one that we're going to be discussing later on in the program towards the end, and it has to do with school board elections. Now hear me out. Uh, School board elections will be handled in a much different way this year here in Utah than they have in any other year. What do I mean? Here in the state of Utah, this year, for the first time, you will be voting for your school board members in a partisan election. Yeah, so there's a primary coming up, and these board members are running against each other uh, seeking their respective party's nomination. School board. Most most places elsewhere in the country, they don't... Uh, it's, it's a nonpartisan election. You are not necessarily made aware of the political leanings or the party affiliation of those seeking a seat on the state school board. That's ir- irregular. Or at least it is not common. Now, I will tell you that across the country in recent years, there has been a push by some states to change that. To make the school board elections a partisan race. Now, I'm going to get into some details on that. In fact, I've tracked down uh, a fascinating study that looks at the impact on partisanship and state school board decision-making. It, it's fascinating. I don't want to give too much away right now because I want to hear your thoughts uh, and I want to hear them straight from your mind. And if you wouldn't mind, when you're on the phone there, 801 801- Five seven five seven six six eight. That's the number to leave KSL News Radio comments. There are uh, you have the ability to leave voicemails. And what I want to do is later on in the program, when we come back around to that topic, uh, I want to share your thoughts. I want to share the studies I've tracked down, and also I want to share with you uh, way back in Utah's legislative history, just a few years actually, when this thing changed. It had to change legislatively, and so there was a debate on the floor of Utah's House and Senate, and I have uh, some of that debate. I want to share that with you so you can hear both sides. Anyway, that's coming up later on in the program. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. In the next segment, we'll be speaking with Senate President Stuart Adams and looking at the special session, which transpired just yesterday. There were 27 bills passed. 27 bills. And we have, uh, on, on Thursday and Friday of last week, we looked at some of the history uh, behind uh, you know, why some of these bills came about and some of the relevance of, say, the ban on chokeholds here in the state of Utah in both practice and in instruction. So we'll talk to President Adams and see uh, what he felt were the were the, the, the banner bits of legislation passed in the special session of last week and what we can expect going forward. I also want to ask him of the 27 bills that were passed, if uh, if he expects Governor Herbert uh, to sign them all, that's an interesting question. So you wonder, uh, that's the last stop, you know, not to schoolhouse rock you too much here, but the last stop in this legislative process uh, here in the state of Utah is for Governor Gary Herbert to uh, sit down at his desk, leaf through all those bills sent to him by the legislators and say, yeah, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that one. Yeah, that one's good. I'll sign that one. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, or maybe the, uh, this one rubs in the wrong way and he sets it aside, uh, either vetoing it or leaving his signature absent. Anyway, we'll see what the Senate president has to say on that. 
And before I go to break here, I want to tell you as well, I, over the weekend, celebrated Father's Day for the very first time. Yeah, my little baby Piper. You know, I talk about her all the time. And in fact, if you would do, do me this favor, when you have a moment, not while you're driving, all right, once you get to your destination or maybe you're there now, uh, grab your phone or your computer or whatever and make your way over to Facebook, type in Lee Lonsberry, click on the live mic page, and on there, the most recent posting is a photograph of myself and my little baby Piper from over the weekend when we were celebrating Father's Day together. And like I said, my very first Father's Day. But here's what's, here's what's kind of cute. And you, you might think it's too cute and you might roll your eyes and groan, but let me tell you what. So her name's Piper, right? And I've been trying since she was born to come up with a good nickname. And I think I've landed on one. I think. I think I like to. I'm a big fan of pizza. I like eating pizza uh, and pepperoni pizza to be specific. And so I have been calling her for the past few months Piperoni. Her name's Piper. I like pepperoni pizza. I call my daughter, as a nickname, Piperoni Pizza. Yeah, it's adorable. Yeah. Well, uh, her mom, my beautiful wife, uh, she, for Father's Day, got me this t-shirt. It's a great t-shirt, and on there, it's uh, the outline of a pizza. You can see all the slices there assembled in a circle, yet there's one slice missing. Where's that slice? <laughs> it is printed on the belly of a onesie which mom got for baby Piper. And so Piper and I, as we went around uh, celebrating Father's Day over the weekend, I was wearing the pizza, all of it, uh, minus a slice, and she was uh, the missing slice. You make your way over to Facebook right now, Lee Lonsberry. Click on the live mic page. You're going to see uh, <laughs> that T-shirt that and that little onesie and my uh, little beautiful baby daughter as I celebrated Father's Day for the very first time. Very proud uh, and very happy and very pleased to be in this new club, the club of fatherhood. All right, quick break. When we come back, like I said, we'll be speaking with Utah Senate President Stuart Adams. We're going to talk about these 27 bills, not all of them, well, some of them, <laughs> these 27 bills that were passed in the special session of the Utah legislature last week. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. You heard me in the segment before the break there talking about the special session, the fifth special session of the Utah legislature, with gathered, which gathered together yesterday, I'm sorry, last week on Utah's Capitol Hill. Yeah, yesterday, Father's Day. It was a special. <laughs> no, last week, legislators from Utah's House and Senate got together either in person uh, or via video connection, and they together passed 27 bills. That following a proclamation of, from Gar Governor Gary Herbert where he outlined a number of priorities. 
Joining me now to talk about those priorities and what was accomplished is Senate President Stuart Adams. Joining me now. Uh, President, sir, how are you? Hey, great to be with you. Happy day after Father's Day, Lee. Thank you, and same to you. Happy Father's Day. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit different now, me you know, kind of being in the club, and it feels uh, it's special. And I get it. I understand the draw and the attraction to, to fatherhood. Hello? Yeah, sir, do I have you still? I have you, yeah. Right okay, very here. good. Tell me, let me get your overall reaction. How, how, was the special session a success in your eyes? Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, Utah manages its affairs, affairs well, and, and most of the special session, even though we had 27 bills, most of it was focused on, uh, you know, the budget. And we, uh, you may remember that we moved the filing date, or the federal government did, from April 15th to July 15th. And so we had, uh, we had to adjust our revenue, and uh, we've been working for years making sure that we're prepared for a rainy day. And we have ongoing revenue that we use for one-time expenses. And because of that, we did, and some people are calling it a little bit of a miracle, but we actually gave a 1.8% increase in the WPU, which is the weighted pupil unit, which is what we give to each school. So that was actually an increase. They were looking at a decrease. The overall education budget increased 2.2%. We allocated of the CARES money, the federal money we got, $125 million for schools for IT programs, and we increased social services because of the, the demand on the COVID challenges, 5 to 6%. And a lot of people are thinking that was a little bit of a miracle. And we think it was, but we think the miracle happened because we planned well. Yeah. Let me tell you a short story on that. Uh, WPU, that increased money being sent towards education. I have a, a number of friends here in the state of Utah who are teachers, and they know that you know because of my job, I have uh, you know kind of quick access to the information that's shared by uh, by your body and the House and the governor's office and such like that. And so uh, I had been asked by a number of them, "Hey Lee, would you keep an eye out uh, as soon as as soon as you get any kind of sense of how things are going to go when it comes to uh, education spending? When you find out how much we are going to lose." You tell us right away. Uh, well, when I got word last week that uh, that WPU percentage was going to be increasing, I sent them a note, uh, and I'll tell you what, a few of them wrote back and said, hold on a second, clarify that. Are you telling me this? Uh, and uh, I was able to happily tell them, yeah, no, th th there's more money coming your way. The state of Utah has pulled it off. Now, and, and we did it without raising taxes, and we're probably the only one in the only state in the union that increased it without raising taxes. Incredible, impressive, and uh, many individuals, I am sure, are, are very grateful. H how did you pull it off? Well, again, we have taken ongoing revenue uh, and the money we get year after year and put it into one-time expenses. We had $120 million we put into the prison, and we knew the prison wasn't going to continue to build for forever. We are going to end it one day. And we put others into university buildings. We know those buildings have an end date. We put money into transportation. Those transportation projects have an end date. Mm. So what we did is the projects that weren't under construction, we, we actually eliminated those projects, stopped those building projects. Those that were under construction, we went to the bond market. And Utah has a AAA bond rating because we manage our affairs well. We borrowed at 1.1%. That's almost free money. And to finish those projects, we took that ongoing money out of those one-time projects, and used it to backfill uh, education and social services. And we, we knew we were going to do this one day. We talked about what we call a, 
a working rainy day fund, that ongoing money, and uh, it, and we have more left. We actually have some capacity left as we as we look to see the future. We're a little, you know, we're, we're again trying to manage our affairs well and trying to do the very best job we can. But Utah financially is in a great shape. We're speaking with Utah Senate President Stuart Adams on the occasion of uh, coming off the passage of 27 bills in this fifth special session of the Utah legislature. Have you had occasion yet to speak to the governor? You, do you believe he'll be supportive of all 23 of these bills passed? Yeah, we talked to him before. He actually, this session, he called, so we had an opportunity to talk to him before. He was generally supportive of all the bills. I, I would be very surprised if he didn't sign all of them. We had a great opportunity. You know, we, we dealt with Black Lives Matter and the, and, the, and the horrible events that have happened throughout our country, but we actually uh, banned the, the knee hold uh, to the neck, and uh, that's a big deal. Uh, we gave a lot of money to uh, not we we actually created grants for for different organizations so we were very busy we all got it all done in a day specifically on that piece of legislation addressing uh, knee to the neck restraints and uh, you know any restraints that are designed to restrict airflow to the brain and induce unconsciousness in the Senate that was passed unanimously did you expect that yeah I did. Uh, we we've worked on this bill uh, before this before the special session, and uh, both with the minority and, and the majority parties, and it's the right thing to do. And uh, you know there there are some things there are some issues, but we'll continue to work on uh, the issues uh, probably in the next special session or even in the general session. But this seemed like a, a very very an obvious thing that we ought to do. Uh, Post is already uh, supporting it, which is the the, the police training, and obviously the minority party in uh, in both the Senate and the House were very supportive. So I, I was not surprised to see it pass unanimously in the Senate. A little surprised to see the debate in the House. Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the debate in the House comes down to, you know, the, in which direction do you look when crafting legislation? Do we look backwards to the events of the past, or do we look forwards to the hypothetical which may uh, we, which we may face. But we'll leave that uh, to the folks on the House side. Again, uh, we're speaking to President Stuart Adams. Let me ask you one last question. The, the, the idea that passing uh, this knee-to-neck legislation, the ban of its utilization and instruction, passed unanimously here in the state of Utah, when across the country, that is absurd. That is uh, an impossibility. There are people who continue marching in the streets, shouting for this, and the legislatures of those respective states are so far apart on that, it's not even worth uh, discussing. How were you able to pull it off here in Utah? Well, we, in Utah's a special spot, and, and uh, you know, you can be not only financially glad you live in Utah, but on policy issues. We come together we discuss things that, that something the, the bill didn't go far enough. Others think it went too far. We thought we struck a, a middle ground. And I think when you when you find and you do the right thing, it makes it easier. And that's why I think everybody came together because we balanced it and we did it the right way. And, and Utah's known for doing that. Yeah, uh, President Adams, thank you for your time. Thank you for the work you put into last week's special session. I am uh, grateful to you for it, and uh, I support you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for your interest. Great to be with you, Lee. All right, very good. Uh, that again, Senate President Stuart Adams, uh, last week, 
Fifth special session of Utah legislature, 27 bills passed. The highest likelihoods is that Governor Herbert will sign them all into law. We're going to take a break here in just a moment. When we come back, I want to focus specifically on two, uh, two aspects to emerge from the special session of last week. One of them uh, I am very grateful to hear, and the other one uh, leaves me asking some questions. There has, as you know, especially if you are the parent of a child here in Utah, or if you are a member of the Utah Army National Guard, there is an app which grants you access to, uh, to, to special services. If you are having a difficult time uh, mentally or if you are aware of something where danger is present, students are able to, via the Safe UT app, reach out, get the help that they need, or alert authorities to a possible threat. Same goes uh, for members of the Utah Army National Guard. There was a proposal to install uh, a third arm of this app for first responders. The money of that, though, last week in special session was denied. We'll walk through those details next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.